part of our job as a dad is to sort of bring out those unique qualities of our children and help direct them down a godly path. So hopefully when you use this, you'll think about that. And then we have, I thought this was a neat little keychain. It's a folding knife keychain. Every man needs a little pocket knife, right? Am I right? Every one of us need this. This little keychain can help keep us, uh, really can help come in handy for us when we get in little situations. But maybe the best part is that it can remind us of the Word of God, which is sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, As you use this little pocket knife, remember the value of God's Word and teach that value to your children. And finally, we have the flashlights, okay? Uh, Obviously, uh, these are useful when we go through dark places. They cast light. They allow us to see. Uh, This is a reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. What you and your family need more than anything else in this world is Jesus to bring you light. And each of you should have, uh, again, uh, hopefully gotten a gift this morning. So I just want you to remember that and think about that. And we wish you a happy Father's Day. Uh, Caroline, can I get you to come back up and take this? Did she leave? Did she? She's already left. She's already left me. Um, hey, Alan, how about you be a good uh, young man here? Take that back to the. Take that back to the young man back there. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you, young man, Alan, and. Thank you, old man E.T. You know, I know we as dads, uh, we like to play with our kids, to enjoy time with them. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can feel like life is a a playground. Uh, Dads love to be involved in the sports that our children play. That's a fun part of life. And as dads, we we love to play with our kids, maybe teach them how to swim or how to ride a bike, or we want to teach them how to play ball or even, you know, drive. You know, how many of you dads taught your kids to drive? Any of you take your kids out, take, take your life in your hands and teach them how to drive? Dad's job can be sort of summed up in three words, play, protect, and provide. You know, I know a lot of times we talk about uh, uh, providing and we talk about protecting, but playing is also a big part of that. Some of you will remember this. It didn't happen that long ago. If you're a baseball fan or you watch ESPN, you would have probably seen this. There was a Cincinnati Reds baseball fan, Jacob Kingsley, told reporters, he said, as a dad, You have to always be expecting the unexpected and be ready for anything to be flying out of whatever. And he should know. On Tuesday, April 26th of this year, Jacob and his wife took their 11-month-old son, Shepard, to his first Cincinnati Reds baseball game. I don't know why he'd want to go there, but that's where they went. Jacob told his wife before the game that he would protect their son if a foul ball came close to their seats, which were located 15 rows from the field. Ms. Kingsley said she was anxious about the ball hitting their son, and she told her husband to be on constant alert 
looking out for those foul balls. She said the entire game, I was like, are you watching? Are you watching? You dads know the, the feeling. Are you watching? Uh, then the foul ball actually zoomed in their direction. It cleared the, the net. Shepherd was strapped to his father's chest in a baby carrier, and he was enjoying a bottle when the foul ball popped over that protective net and headed right at him. And Jacob, the dad, says, when I saw the ball, I was like, okay, this is my time. I got to step up, right? And the ball continued flying in the direction of Jacob, who was uh, using his left hand to feed his son his bottle, and his right hand was free. And he says, it was just coming right towards me. And I was like, I can't not try to catch it. And so I just reached out my hand. There wasn't anybody right next to me, and I made the catch. Hero, Dad. People on social media praised Jacob for his death catch. One said, bottle. Didn't even come out. Legend, right? Another said, highlight of the red season so far. <laughs> that dad did all three things, play, protect, provide, right? I bring this up because today is Father's Day, and we appreciate all our dads, what you have done for us, what, you, what we do for us. Dads, when you take the time to play and protect and provide for your families, you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life. But we know that life is not just a playground. The sad truth is life is also a battlefield. We are in a war for the souls of our children. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy all that is near and dear to us. How do we protect and provide for our families so that they can experience the joy of the Lord in the midst of this battlefield, in a culture that is constantly moving away from faith. Do y'all feel that? Do you feel the culture constantly moving away from faith? How do we, as dads, even as moms, help our children move towards faith? We cannot provide and protect in this spiritual battle like we would a physical battle. Some people have weapons to defend their family in their house. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands, but I'm certain that many of you have weapons at home, so if anybody came to attack your family, you would protect them. Am I right? Oh, yeah, I'm right. I know some of you. And one prank I will not play is show up at 3 in the morning at your doorstep. I'm not going to do that. Others have cameras and alarms and security systems set up. So if somebody walks on, lights and everything, right? We have the ring doorbell. Seems like even the wind makes that thing go off. But in this spiritual battle, our weapons need to be a little different. There's an, an effort by spiritual forces to undermine the faith of our families. And dads, you play a key role in defending the faith of your family. So I want to read some passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. 
The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When Peter tried to defend Jesus, he chose the weapons of man when he drew his sword. But Jesus would rebuke him in John 18. Uh, we read Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck off the high priest's servant, uh, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus also said, those who live by the sword, die by the sword. Paul would instruct the Ephesians that our weapons need to be spiritual in nature. In Ephesians 6, we read beginning in verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, you, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Along with prayer, we understand that the Word of God is a weapon we have to use to protect and provide our families. In Hebrews 4.12, we read, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. A thief is trying to break into your home. He is coming to steal, but he will also kill and he will destroy. And friends, this is no joke. It's no joke. What are we doing to protect our families? Now in our text today, Paul points out that prayer and the Word of God are the tools and the weapons at our disposal. Warren Wearsby in his commentary on the book of Philippians called Be Joyful points out three essentials to having victory in the battle to protect our faith. And the three essentials to protecting our faith are consistency, cooperation, and confidence. Now the first essential for protecting our faith is consistency. In other words, uh, not just showing up on Sunday, but living Monday through Sunday as a Christian man or woman. Philippians 1, 27 in the first part. Whatever happens, 
conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves worthy. The key to overcoming these forces that want to still kill and destroy is to consistently live out our faith. It isn't by hearing a great sermon or reading a great book. It's simply about conducting yourself and myself every day faithfully. Now the word Paul used that was translated to conduct yourselves literally meant behave the way you're supposed to behave. Do we know how we're supposed to behave? Do we? Most of us were taught how we were supposed to behave, right? Maybe that's something our culture's losing. Maybe parents aren't teaching their kids how they're supposed to behave. Christian parents, let's teach our kids how they're supposed to behave. Most of us now know how we should act. I mean, we know right from wrong. I've shared this story before, but maybe some of you are new and haven't heard it. But several years ago, uh, when the girls were much younger, our family went up to Raleigh. Uh, we stopped at uh, the mall there. We were going to go eat at P.F. Chang's. The girls were going to go in and do some shopping. I stayed in the car and was listening to a football game that was on the radio. Um, after the game was over, I got out and I started walking in. I was going to meet them uh, for supper. And I noticed something to my left as I was walking, something just maybe 200 feet away. It, it looked like two cars had almost hit each other. And between the two cars, there were these two men, and they were taking shots at each other. They were swinging. Now, they weren't professional fighters, but, I mean, they were seriously trying to put some hurt on each other. For some reason, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but for some reason, right at that moment, I felt compelled to do something. Now, I didn't feel compelled to go over there and stand between them. Yeah. But I felt compelled to yell at them. And now that I think about it, I think what I actually yelled at them was maybe the silliest thing I could have thought about to yell at them. But I think it's probably something that my mother said to me when I was a kid. <laughs> I yelled, straighten up and act right! <laughs> I'm sure mama said that to me. But it worked. <laughs> the craziest thing. They, they stopped. <laughs> One guy picked his glasses up off the ground and they got in their cars and they, they drove past me. And, and as they drove past, I realized why. Why God's Spirit compelled me. Because in the back seat of one of those cars was a little girl. And she had just watched her dad make a fool of himself. Why? Because maybe he wanted to be a tough guy. He didn't like somebody cutting him off. But he failed to be the man that she needed him to be at that moment. And as Christians, we are citizens of heaven. And Paul taught that we needed to act like it. 
Straighten up. Act right. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We should be asking ourselves if we're conducting ourselves in that way. We, we should walk worthy of our calling. In Ephesians 4.1 we read, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then in Colossians 1.10 we read, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God. So dads and moms, we need to be consistently faithful. Do our kids know that we love them? Do they know that we love God? Do they know that we pray and that we read the Word of God? That we value it? Do they hear us talk about our faith? When we talk about the church... Are we saying positive things in front of them? Or are we always running something down? When we go to the ball games, what are the words they're hearing us yell? Are they words of encouragement? Way to go, kids! Way to go! Or are they cursing out the umpire? Are they seeing us be helpful to those who are in need or ignoring the needs of others and just spending on ourselves? Are we being consistent in living out our faith? When we live consistently, we become the gospel to those who see us. We become the good news. The greatest weapon against the devil is a consistent, godly life. So you want to protect your family? I know you got weapons. How about that weapon? the best weapon you can use against Satan and his schemes. But there's a second essential for protecting our faith, and that is cooperation. In the second part of verse 27, Paul uses a phrase that any dad who has ever coached his kids is going to understand. How many of you ever coached any ball, any ball anywhere or tried to teach your kids how to be on a team and stuff? Well, let's read this together in Philippians 1 the second part of verse 27. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Did you catch the phrase? Did you catch it? What was it? Striving together as one. That phrase takes our thoughts to an athletic team that needs to work together in order to win. Teams win together, and I know we lose together, but the teams that are most successful will tell you the value of teamwork. Everybody knowing their role, everybody taking part, no prima donnas trying to say, hey, I'm better than all, but everybody coming together as a team. I read about a sea captain and his chief engineer who are arguing who are the most important ones on the boat. <laughs> to prove their point to each other, they decided to swap positions. So the chief engineer went up on the bridge and the captain went down to the engine room. 
Several hours later, the captain suddenly appeared on the deck covered with oil and dirt. He said, Chief! And he was waving aloft his monkey wrench. He said, You have to get down there. I can't make her go. And the chief said, Well, of course you can't. She's aground. <laughs> on a team, we, we don't excel each other. We depend on each other. Certainly there might be some that have talents that might be more visible, but every member of the team is valuable. We need each other in order to succeed. We can't do this on our own. This is a lesson every dad can grasp. And I think we, we would want to instill this lesson in our children. Spiritually speaking, we are to work together for the sake of the gospel. We are a body of Christ. We should not be working against each other. We should be working with each other. We should be finding ways to cooperate with one another. What we discover is that we can do more together than we can by ourselves. So we have to cast that ego and that pride aside for the sake of the team. That's such an obvious truth, isn't it? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. I can say this when we're moving the tables and chairs out. I couldn't have done that on my own for the wedding. We just did. But we had a bunch of people come out and help. Very important. Teamwork. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, I know that passage is often used for marriages, but it is true for the church. It is true in the family. We need each other. I don't know if any of you remember Apollo 11. But after the Apollo 11 flight, um, this was back in June of 1969. So a bunch of you, you weren't even born at that time. Sorry about that. But astronaut Michael Collins said, all this is possible only through the blood, sweat, and tears of thousands of people. All you see are the three of us. But underneath the surface, there are thousands and thousands of others. In fact, according to author Catherine Themish, there were about 400,000 people who helped with the Apollo 11 mission. That sounds incredible, doesn't it? But in her book, Team Moon, Themish shares stories of these hidden heroes, spacesuit seamstresses, radio telescope operators, parachute designers, and others who made it possible to get men to the moon, to get them home, and let the rest of the world watch while it happened. At Kennedy Space Center, there were 17,000 engineers Mechanics, soldiers, contractors, and other workers who set up the enormous missile for the launch. 
Then there were the two bobs, the guys in Houston monitoring just how little fuel was left and the lunar module during its descent to the surface. Team Moon also included a 24-year-old computer whiz kid named Jack Garman who helped work through worrisome computer glitches during the Eagle's landing. The computer code that ran all the systems was developed by a team of software engineers at MIT led by Margaret Hamilton. Roughly 500 people worked on the spacesuit, including one seamstress who commented, we didn't worry too much until the guys on the moon started jumping up and down. <laughs> and that gave us a little bit of an eyebrow twitch. No wonder astronaut Neil Armstrong would later say that as he took his first step on the moon, he immediately thought about all those 400,000 people who had given him the opportunity to make that first step. Friends, we can certainly share the gospel on our own, but when we work together, when we serve together, we can do exponentially more. It's easier for us to stand together than to stand alone. And that's why being a part of a church body is so important. Having brothers and sisters of faith who stand with you and support you is so important. We can teach our children many things, but if we miss teaching them the value of the church, the value of the body of Christ, the value of shared faith, I would say we failed them. I hope that we aren't just teaching them how to play ball or how to make money or how to drive a car. I hope we're teaching them the value of living our faith together with the family of God. We need cooperation. But the third essential for protecting our faith is confidence. I think a lot of people struggle with confidence especially when it comes to faith. We can struggle to be confident in our faith. Have you noticed that when, when you are not confident, you are much more nervous or afraid? Anybody ever notice that? When, when you're supposed to get up and speak and you're not confident, oh man. It, or if you, you know, mine would be singing. I mean, that I don't know how the praise team does it because I would be shaking like a leaf on a tree. But, you know, if you don't have confidence, you're afraid. Philippians 1, 28, we begin reading. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You know, the first thing I notice is that cooperation helps us to gain confidence. We are encouraged because we know that we are in this together and that God is behind us. We can encourage each other with this faith. What does encourage mean? But to find courage. Together we believe in Jesus. 
Together we suffer for Jesus. Together we struggle for the sake of the gospel. Paul was encouraged too because of what he heard from his fellow Christians. They were encouraged because they saw that man could not stop the gospel from spreading. Think about a child and how that child can find confidence when mom or dad are around. You know, dad is here to help support, sometimes coach. Now, I know that there can sometimes be some overbearing dads. And they might have the opposite effect. Um, They can cause their child to wither up in fear of of failure. Why the fear of failure? Because the child does not want to let the father down. But the child who has that confidence of the dad, the child who has been encouraged, isn't frightened to fail. He or she knows that Even if they aren't perfect, dad or mom still going to love them. And that is true not just in the physical realm of a sport, but also and even more importantly in the spiritual realm. Are we giving our children confidence? Are we having spiritual conversations with them? Are we encouraging their faith? We want to instill in our children a strong faith that can weather our failures and our struggles. And they know that if we are with them, we will help protect them and provide for them. And this gives them confidence as well. Some of you will remember this story from 2019 because it was sort of a local story which made national headlines. I'm pretty sure as soon as I start sharing, many of you will remember. Young lady named Paige Winter was in high spirits, but she was in stable condition at Vidant Medical Center despite having just had her leg and several fingers amputated. She had survived a scary encounter with a shark due in part to the intervention of her father, Charlie, a Marine. Hoorah, yeah. How's it supposed to be said, Marines? Hoorah. Hoorah, okay. Thank you. A Marine who was in the water with her at the time. Family friend Brandon Burst told NBC News, that, uh, or the NBC's Today Show, that Winter and her father were standing in waist-deep water and chatting when suddenly Paige got pulled under. Witnesses say Charlie uh, punched the shark in the face five times before it released its grip on his daughter. Officials with the Atlantic Beach Fire Department confirmed the account, saying that she sustained deep lacerations to her leg, pelvic, and hand areas. Nevertheless, the traumatic experience didn't take away Paige's sense of humor. According to her mother's Facebook page, Post page wants everyone to know that sharks are still good people. (laughs) In a statement on their GoFundMe page to assist with their medical expenses, the Winter family thanked the individuals on the beach who helped and her heroic father who saved her life. Added Paige's grandmother, thank God our son was with her. 
Here was a dad doing what dads do. He was having fun with his daughter, playing at the ocean. He was having a great day when suddenly out of nowhere that protect mode popped out of him, right? You ever been there? Moms or dads? Protection mode comes out. He had to protect his daughter from this attacker. And then he had to provide for her to get her out of that water, to get her the help that she needed. Thank God that dad was there. And thank God that you're here and that you're there. Knowing that God is with us is like knowing our dad is with us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. And he gives us the confidence we need to get back in that water one day. If we can have consistency and cooperation and confidence, we will experience the joy of the Lord and hold on to our faith even through difficult times. And so dads, I just want to encourage you. Live this out before your children. Give them the best chance for success, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I thank God that you are there for your children. So show them that consistency, cooperation, and confidence. Father, first thank you for being our good father. You love us and bless us. You provide for us. You protect us. Even when we aren't perfect children, you still love us. We give you all the glory and all the praise today. And we thank you for godly dads who are here to help, direct, and encourage their children. Bless each one who is here today because they see the value of bringing up their children in the Lord. They know the value of having a relationship with you. Help us all to live and conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.